Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I love the idea and the understanding of just using powerful words. Um, where necessary and for me personally um, I just removed two words out of my vocab and I think it was about three and a half years ago it was after my my breakup with the father of my children and it was stress and hard and I just refused to I refused to go there in my life um, you know there's moments in your life that are challenging and you have a lot of things on the go but I would never say that it's stressful because it's all fine it's yeah. all good and hard is not something like hard compared to what that's what I always say someone's like oh you know it was so hard last week it's like compared to what like we're the lucky ones I'm your host Natalie Dronovac and this is The Modern Women a show that seeks to share the stories and experiences of women that may be out of our line of sight To kick off Season 3, I'm sitting down with Paloma Rose Garcia. Paloma is without a doubt one of Sydney's most known hairstylists, an extraordinary woman with a rare and refreshing perspective on notions of well-being, our responsibilities to the world, and our children, and the joy of actually living life. There is a zest to Paloma that radiates the space she's in, and an empathy and kindness, especially towards her team, that goes way beyond mentorship and is something we could all do with a little bit more of. Dive into this episode with us as we discuss how your work ethic can influence your mum ethic, how the next generation of activists are giving us the drive for change, and secrets of the salon, which I'm sure all women have encountered. For those who haven't subscribed to The Modern Women, be sure to do so now so you don't miss any upcoming episodes and can be notified for when they go live. And if you love this episode or any others, please share it with another modern woman in your life. Paloma, thank you so much for joining me. Absolute pleasure. So happy to be here. Let's kick off with your rapid fires. One, what is an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love? Hmm. I've got no idea. <laughs> See, I actually thought your quirky thing was the um, that you love smell and that you go to bed Oh, my with God, perfume. I'm obsessed with smell. I'm so glad you brought that up, actually. Um, I have actually quite – I've now – because I'm so obsessed with smell, whether it's perfume or stuff for the house, incense, all that sort of stuff, um, I've actually got quite the nose now and I can pick up people's scents, like, really quickly. I'm like, are you wearing X, X – are you wearing this? And everyone's like – Wow, you're crazy. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I'm completely obsessed with smell. Um, have a bath at night before I go to bed. Every night I put perfume on. 
And that's generally for me to go into my bed by myself. <laughs> I cannot handle baths. I can get in there for like five minutes and then I'm like, oh, um, I'm, I'm a Piscean. I'm like drink water all day in the ocean, but like I'm such a typical Piscean. I love the water. What do you most give a damn about? How people feel. What is a female stereotype that you cannot stand? That women should have long hair. Hmm. We go to the bar for happy hour. What would you order? A Negroni. If you could have one do-over in your life, what would you do differently? Nothing. And lastly, who is a key female influence in your life and why? Not influ- not female, sorry, but I'm pretty obsessed with Deepak Chopra. Um, yeah, reading and listening to a lot of his stuff and he really, I just, I, I love what he has to say. He's so calming and soothing, isn't He's he? He's so incredible. Okay, amazing. So uh, part of the reason that I started The Modern Women is because I became really intrigued to know what is a modern woman of today because I find that sometimes you can bundle women as a singularity verse. we're so diverse. But when I even say those words to you, what do you think a modern woman is? I guess someone that doesn't follow social influences and the the typical yeah. and doesn't and someone that goes against the grain a bit like that see I actually started to think of it and I thought it's when I started to realize there was a huge inequality between mm. women and then I was a bit like oh okay hold on there's there's always one point in women's lives where they realize perhaps my gender will impact my success has that ever happened to you not really because my industry is it's predominantly female so when people talk about gender issues in in the workplace, it's not something I've ever really experienced. Never. So no. Have you ever had any form of misogyny? No. No. Yeah. See, you're fortunate in that capacity. Yeah, and it's really interesting. Just you know, especially over I guess the last five years, it's it's something that comes up so often, but it's not something I can generally relate to. Yeah, I can yeah. imagine that. I feel like that's so. Great. I feel lucky. <laughs> All right, so as I was sharing with you earlier, something, a personal anecdote. So I was in your chair once, you were cutting my hair, and I was saying how you were juggling so many things all at once, and I was like, does it ever get hard? And you shared with me, I never utilize those words. Yeah. And so before I ask you my question, could you share a bit more on that actual fact? Yeah, so it's something um, a mentor shared with me, and we did a lot of focus in my business, in the salon, around word tracking. And it's just the power of words. I find it fascinating. And, um, you know, it was in relation to, say, foils versus highlights and a basin area versus a retreat and something that we – we use in my business at Paloma is also we call um, our guests, our guests rather than clients. So there is, I love the idea and the understanding of just using powerful words um, where necessary. And for me personally, um, I just removed two words out of my vocab. And I think it was about three and a half years ago. It was after my, my breakup with the father of my children and it was stress and hard. And I just refused to I refuse to go there in my life. Um, You know, there's moments in your life that are challenging and you have a lot of things on the go, but I would never say that it's stressful because it's all fine. It's all good. And hard is not something – like hard compared to what? That's what I always say. Someone's like, oh, you know, it was so hard last week. It's like compared to what? Like we're the lucky ones. Look where we live, you know. I have – and often a, my guests will say or someone might in passing say, God, it must be hard. Two kids, a business, 17 
staff. It's so hard. And I'm like, well, I have a business that's thriving. I'm so passionate about what I do. And I have two incredible children. Like, what's hard about that? Like, what about a business that's in the red, that's going down the gurgler, and two children with serious illnesses? That's fucking hard. That's that's really hard. Yeah. So I, I, I've always made a choice. I'm a very positive person. I'm sure you've got that by me. But I've always um, – it's not even a choice. It's I guess it's who I am. I'm very glass half full yeah. rather than empty. And I just – you know, stress and hard are, are two words that I hear so often in my business – um, people talking about, you know, being stressed about whatever it is that's on their mind. But yeah, it's, it's so powerful when you, um, you know, really have a focus on these on particular words in your life and you remove them and it just, it changes the whole energy around things. Yeah. It's almost like the dialogue that you have with yourself is the most important conversation. A hundred percent. Absolutely. So that goes into um, the idea that I was thinking about in regards to like women being superheroes, you know, for what you've done in regards to you've built a business and a career. And the other aspect is that you didn't just build a career and um, have children. You built a career and you raised kids. Mm. And often I find that that's a huge differentiator and not to say that there are not men out there who aren't raising children also, but I feel like there is this edge that women tend to have around getting it done and in a really passionate and exciting way. Mm. Um, Have you ever seen any positive or negative impact in regards to the difference between women like yourself who are building from the ground up and raising children and creating a family? Have I seen a difference between what? What do you mean? Or between between either yourself and regards to perhaps either another woman or also actually having an edge over men and not in the sense that, like I said, men aren't doing great things, but just in the sense that I find like when I talk to a woman who's also having a thriving career and a business, there is something in them where it's like a gusto and they just like get it done and they have this fire and this passion and this energy. Whereas so often with men, it's not to say that they aren't taking that role within their children's life, but it's more like, oh I have to do this so you know that you know the it's, mother or the other can take care of whereas yeah, like women look, are getting it I'm gonna parts. make a really generalized statement and I hope I don't offend anyone but a, a mother and a woman generally always has the biggest impact raising the children it's yeah. it's something in us whether it's because we carry them because we birth them whatever it is you know I I hear and speak to so many other mothers out there and we are the ones that are going the extra mile to raise these children. Um, You know, there are some incredible fathers, I'm sure, that, you know, take the lead in in family dynamics as well. But generally speaking, it is the mother. I mean, statistics show that for sure. It is. And it's probably just something innate in us. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah, we just kind of have to, I think. Well, when I was researching you, which is funny when you start researching a friend. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, you seem to have such a killer work ethic from when you were quite young. Oh, my God. Totally. And so yeah. I was curious. Do you think that it's like your work ethic impacts your mum ethic or do you think it's kind of the opposite way? What was really interesting when I had um, my boys and particularly my son, Charlie, who's nearly six, my youngest, um, when I had Charlie, I was already in business. So Teddy was very different. I wasn't in business and it was a much more chilled time in my life. But when I had Charlie, it was really interesting. I, I think I, I was at work on the Saturday. I birthed him on the Sunday and I was in the salon on the Monday as well. Oh, wow. And yeah, and he would come with me. And what I found is I don't, it's not a work-life balance. I don't think they're separate. They have such a big impact on each other. So what I would do, you know, it was the week before Christmas that I'd given birth to Charlie. It's our busiest time of the year. I have a massive team. I have 
obviously so much responsibility in the business. I would take him in the morning and I'd go for one hour. He'd be in my arms. I would have just fed him and I'd just, he'd be in a carrier. And he, and going it there into the salon for the first hour and making sure I was on top of everything, touching base with the team and just checking it was all good. I could then go home and relax for the day with my baby. Mm. So, you know, they do, those two, they totally have impact on each other. And I love what I do. And if I have too many days off, even in Sydney, like I go stir crazy. This is who I am. I'm always going to be like this. So better I get that done yeah. and do what I need to do. And I know that the afternoons when I pick up the boys from school now, it's like I've had a killer day at work and I'm there at 2.45 to pick them up and then I'm with them. Mm. So they both impact each other greatly. But this – I'm. I won't be a stay-at-home mom. That's not who I am, no yeah. matter a financial situation or whatever. This is who I am. It's in my blood. Do you so, find that there is a certain tendency within some, um, and it's not a judgment, but there's a bit of an indulgence in children these days around I must be with them 24 hours a day, 24-7, yes. always yes. available? Yes. Like, What's your opinion on that? Um, well, I'm pretty opinionated. <laughs> um, so I have an uh, – it's like I had I overheard someone. Oh, I'm not sending my child to um, not in care until she's three, and I was like, oh, cool. What do you do? Oh, I'm at home with her. I'm like, oh, cool. So like, she's at Woolies with you, and she, like, you know, like you're doing errands with the like. I don't know. I'm just. I always think about the child and what's the best interest for them, and you know, they're so active by 18 months and they're running around and it's so important socially. And I think my boys went to Redham House Early Learning, which is absolutely incredible, um, early learning and preschool. And, you know, they, they were so happy there. And, mm. and what they do in those places is so much more than what I would do if I was at home with them all day. Yeah. Like the arts, the craft, the engagement and there, and also the um, the teachers have – you know, they've been at university to do this. They have a better understanding of than what we're doing. As so to it's interesting. It's it sometimes can be very boastful. Yeah. Um, oh, like mothers. I want to be with my child. Oh, all the time. my child's with me until, and you're like, cool, okay, that's like, wow, it must be fun going up and down the aisles at Woolies with mom. Like, I don't know. It's on that. According to my verified sources, aka your Instagram, uh, <laughs> you lead a vibrant social life with and without yes. your kids. Yes. So you know you're out on the weekend with your girlfriends. You travel to the Amalfi with your kids in one hand, the Aperol spritz in the other. Yes. And to honest, like to be frank, most people would be like, "That doesn't sound real. How have you done this?" And I want to preface this that although earlier you said you finish work at two forty-five, you've worked your face off to get to a point where you do have a business where you're unable to do that. But how did you find that equilibrium? Um, so I have my boys with me four nights a week and yeah. um, they're with their father three nights a week. So when I'm social, they're the nights that I don't have the children. Mm. So I, if I have my kids, I don't, I don't go out yeah. unless it's like once in a blue moon and something very special. There is no way if I'm with them, I'm with them. Um, so that's very clear. That's always what it is. It, it must be interesting. I'm sure it's a bit of a contrast if you're watching what I'm doing because I'm either like cooking with them or at the park with them or I'm either like at a cocktail bar yes. <laughs> or yes, an art opening. That is exactly it. So there's a big contrast but a lot of people do often comment how social I am but there's, I mean, it doesn't interfere with my time with my children which is my number one priority in my life, 100%. But that's also what I was kind of wanting to lead towards with the indulgence question. I'm finding that when I speak to a variety of women that there's a difference between 
I have no time for myself. And then my question is like, well, are you giving yourself time? And I find that when I was really thinking about your balance, that you are really fostering, like you are 100% there. And then you are also 100% there nurturing and taking care of yourself. Yeah. I have to, I have to say, I feel extremely balanced in my life. Yeah. I do. For someone who, like, yeah. if you look at a schedule, quote unquote, there is not a balance. There's yeah, there's, there's really not a spare minute. But say, for example, my Sundays, I don't schedule anything. And it's, um, we have a wonderful woman. There's a woman that's been in my life. Her name's Lauren. She's got a business called The Life Pod. Actually, she'd be a great person for you to talk to about. <laughs> um, she was, I did a birthing, the calm birth course with her when I was pregnant with my first son, Teddy. Prenatal yoga with her. She was my doula at Charlie's birth, supported me through a natural childbirth. And now she's our wellness coach in at the salon at Paloma. So last Saturday she came and we did an hour session. So we do it every probably six to eight weeks. We do an hour. So it's um, it can be anything from how you start your day to meditation. We just did mm. a really exciting um, session on, on spring and vibrancy and energy. And she's an incredible woman and she has taught me the space of doing nothing, yeah. which as I get older – I value more and more. So whilst I'm scheduled, say like a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and have stuff on and pick up the kids and do this and we've got swimming and I've got interviews and what have you, like a Sunday, I don't schedule anything. Mm. So I do, I have the space of doing nothing and that's where I find all the magic happens. Yeah, it's like taking that moment, you harness yeah, whether like I'm ideas. down at Bronte Pool by myself for two hours and I'm reading, you know, some great, a great book or whatever it is so I really feel like I, I do get downtime do you find that you have friends who either wish or desire for that or you're always kind of being like well you can do this you can do this and they're kind of being yeah. like well I can't I can't find the time yeah it's really interesting I think like obviously as a mother um as a business owner and I lead my team of 17 you know like I have to look after myself to look after everyone else I know that mm. and you know I'm my new obsession is Pilates and I know that like for me to be the happiest best version of me I like I want to get to class five days a week so I'm committed to that and I will compromise other things so I actually now go every Friday at 5 p.m so you probably won't see me with a Negroni too often now <laughs> so you know it's just all about compromising things and and you have to find your thing I know if I I haven't had any anxiety for about 18 months now I feel like that's getting further and further out of my life but if in the past I have been overwhelmed with you know a bit of workload or or had some challenges um, raising my children or something's up whatever's up I know that I suffer from anxiety but I know I have the most incredible acupuncturist I get myself there straight away got it or if I have an issue with you know you know, issues with my ex, whatever's going on, if I need to, I'll go and see my therapist. I just, I know what it takes to get me good and I'm, I would never be willing. I wouldn't put that to the side. Did it take you a while to actually learn? No. So no, as in like in terms of understanding your triggers and knowing like, like you said, it's been about 18 months since yeah. anxiety has really adversely affected you. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, actually, yeah. I think just as I'm getting older, I'm just, I'm, I'm getting more chill Yeah, and things don't bother me. Another bit of self-development work I did um, earlier this year was um, with a great guy called Jamie. He runs a great business out of Bondi. He did um, a few hour, a two hour session with my team and um, 
we were talking about fear and he, and he asked me, what do I fear? And I said, sometimes there's something in the back of my mind that I fear that I have these two children. I have an apartment in Rose Bay. I have, you know, financial obligations raising my children. I have high school to think about. I have my mortgage. And, you know, in, in, in the back of my brain, I have this fear that, you know, maybe my business is doing great. It's unreal. But what if, like, it goes down the gurgler? Mm. What happens? Like, I've got this pressure. And he said, he just said to me, he's like, but you're going to be okay. And I was like, yeah, cool. He's like, when have you ever not been okay? And I was like, mm, I've always been okay. He's like, so you just need to know that it's, you've always been okay and it will continue. You're always going to be okay. It's never not been okay. You haven't lived on the streets, you know, yeah. like it's never gotten to that. And that was like a big penny drop moment for me. And I have, um, I, I know that and I know that I've got myself and that it's, it has always been okay. Do you find that like a lot of people actually, we live in this, um, this future where we just freak ourselves out? Yeah. And also, um, you know, like I often ask what, ask someone or ask myself the question of of what does that serve Mm. so like you know (laughs) I don't know I'm very solutions focused that there's all all my mentors now are like past mentors business coaches everyone's coming up as as we're having this conversation but like what does that serve yeah you know like oh cool I'm gonna like okay so for example my son just got diagnosed with ADHD my youngest son Charlie who's six and um it's been a it's been a really challenging year he just started kindy and also like a lot of behavioral issues and and all sorts of stuff but I mean I could be stressed out there could be so much going on but what does that serve he's also going through a hard time so I just need to be the best support for him we went straight to therapist we went straight to developmental pediatrician straight to a child psychologist who specializes in behavior stuff and you know I have so many women at my fingertips so having those conversations with people understanding more and just getting my son the help he needs and mm. and and seeking I like seek to understand it's what Steve Jobs always says you yeah. seek to understand so like being the student and and learning about ADHD, what is it? It's the frontal cortex of the brain for Charlie. What's going on for him? How does it feel? You know, and we've explored so so many things and had all this help for about eight months, and now he's on medication, and it's it's absolutely incredible. He's just like I get to see my boy more. It's yeah. so beautiful. I'm like really getting to see him, but yeah, I'm just very like solutions focused. Like I could have been down and out, but I'm like nah, like. Let's get on top of this. Well, that's, but see, this is what I mean. And what I've loved about your personality and getting to know you, like you've just shared all these amazing things. And then you're like, oh, by the way, but then my son just got ADHD. And it's like, well, hold on a minute. And it's like that complete juxtaposition. But for you, you're like, cool, this is something. How can I just do it better? Yeah. And that's okay. How can I deal with it as opposed to being bogged down by it? Which I think as a lesson is something really important for everyone all the time. Yeah. I mean, as well, like, you know, I've got a girlfriend and her son's they're in therapy a few hours every day and he's 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 little and that's like that's life that's really hard yeah this is he charlie's going to be okay yeah a lot of kids with adhd but um it just it wouldn't serve charlie it's not in his like what would it serve him for mum being stressed out yeah yeah. Um, so I told you I wanted to talk about your kids because I don't <laughs> think we've ever had a conversation where you haven't mentioned them. Oh, um, the best. Yeah, like you are someone, I think everyone loves their kids, blah, blah, blah. But you are a passionate mum in regards yeah. to 
all the extras, like a lot, you know, and something that I really wanted to ask was, well, before I jump into your children though, as you get older, do you feel a deeper sense to leave this world in a better place than you found it? Oh, absolutely. So how do you channel that feeling into fruition? So leaving the world in a better place as to what? Yeah, like I I know I read, um, outside of knowing you, I know I also read in my research, you got to a certain point where you were like, well, hold on, how can I support other things outside of myself? Um, And then you started to support certain charities and have certain endeavors that you were focused on. Yeah, and that's actually, Nat, that's becoming a huge, like even just this year, this growing desire in my heart just to do more. And it's, you know, I was having the conversation with one of my guests on Saturday and she's like, oh, that's great that you do that. You know, why? And I was like, why? What's, what's the why behind that? That's Simon Sinek. He always talks about the why behind things. I love him. He's, he's cool as well. Um, but isn't that what life's about? That's what life's about for me. It's, my life isn't about, I'm so good with my business. It's unreal. And people often ask, like, are you opening another salon? Like, are you doing this? I'm like, I'm good. I've yeah. got one great business and I have such an eye for detail. If I have more, I know I'd lose that. So I don't desire to earn a dollar more than what I earn now. I'm I'm very appreciative and very grateful for everything I have. And um, having a team of – I've got 17 beautiful people in my team and knowing the impact, I'm not trying to sound like an idiot or like I've got some sort of big head but knowing what I've done for people, oh, my God, there's nothing more – satisfying in life say I've got one of my girls who's been with me for nine years and she's had a really challenging upbringing and we've been through so much together and you know watching her now she came to me when she was 15 from Penrith and you watch her now she's the most insane incredibly talented hairdresser so highly skilled most beautiful girl and knowing what um I guess you know the 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 salon's always been her family and knowing what I've the opportunities I've given her that's without don't mean to – I hope I'm not sounding like an idiot. No. But I, that is – that gives me so much joy. Well, I was going to ask, do you take on that mentorship and leadership um, innately or do you do it as an intentional thing? No, innately. Not at all intentional. Gotcha. It just Nothing. is kind of something that's happened due to yeah. the sheer amount of women and stuff. But if you saw shit go on, like oh, I couldn't – I've got another girl who's going through stuff and I – booked a therapist for her and I'll pay for it on Tuesday like you I couldn't yeah couldn't not yeah uh how do you think the world would be better served if we all gave a bit more of a shit outside of what's going on in our own lives it'd be so much fucking better yeah it's something (laughs) that I'm really you know and just even you know and all this stuff about I guess you know what's going on with the world and the climate crisis and and what's happening and it's I really, and I do have these conversations with guests because I'm really willing and prepared to have those conversations. They're not tough for me, mm. but awareness is the first thing. And I really feel like I sat at a um, cafe this morning and I had a coffee before Pilates. I was by myself, sat and had my coffee. Um, and there was three women who were also going to the Pilates class and they sat in the cafe, but they ordered their coffees in a takeaway cup for whatever reason, I think they enjoyed drinking out of the takeaway cup, even though they didn't, they weren't taking the coffee to go. And I was like, I was dying. My blood was boiling. I could not believe this. Two billion coffee cups goes to landfill in Australia every year. Two billion. And I think so many people are in a bubble and they have 
no well it's the idea there's no awareness awareness is the first step it's like that idea around well my footprint isn't that big but then if we're all thinking that that's how we get where we're at um let's not go even into industries but that's really great because what i wanted to say so i did some calculations by 2080 i'll be 90 years old now i know right assuming all goes to plan i'm not going to have any kids my focus and my care is to ensure that the world is going to kick around till i'm Mm. 90 till 2080 now climate change is obviously posing a huge risk and it's not something that this is a debate for anyone listening that's not what this conversation is it is an actual fact um but i feel i would think differently around i guess the future if i had my own children because then i would be thinking about grandchildren and all those other aspects of the future of our planet and so if we go by the logic of considering future generations there is no real end date you know especially Mm. for someone like yourself So something I really love about you and the time that you spend with your son, Teddy, your eldest, is the climate Mm. change activism that you both Mm. are involved in. And I kind of would love to understand how that came about. Did he Mm. bring you into the fold or did you make him aware of climate change? I think probably um, myself and his father, uh, um, yeah, would have started with us. And then he has a really close friend at school um, and then their family as well, I guess – you know, we've all got very similar values. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it started at home. Gotcha. And But he's taken it to another level. He now informs me. It's just, you know, it's it's a shared value but something that sparks something in the two of us. Mm. Yeah. Because I guess the, the broader context here that I'm thinking about is how children now are so passionate about so many areas. And yeah. all, I'm just baffled because – as someone who doesn't have kids, I'm so equally amazed at how young kids, these like new activists are just the fighting the powers that be and they're demanding, especially when it comes to climate change, a cleaner future. Yeah. But never, and correct me if I'm wrong, have we seen such activism at a global scale. No. So with the rise of Greta, you know, and how what she's doing overseas. What a, what a oh, she's right? incredible. But kids and teens, they're driving but, this awareness and I just think – what the fuck have we been doing as adults? And even I look back over the last, let's call it, you know, awareness years of 10 years of my life, let's say from 19 to now. And I just think, what was I focused on? How could I have missed such a buck when now kids who are 12, well, how old's Teddy? He's 10 and a half. 10 and a half, right. He would probably be able to school me on climate change. Yeah. And it's just like, when was this gap and how did that change? I think it's fascinating as well because, I mean, Greta's – She's got Asperger's. So she doesn't – emotionally, she, there's not much there. So she, she only talks when she has something to say. Mm. There's no emotional sense. I mean, she does get worked up. You can see that. But children, they're just calling it for what it is. Yeah. There's no – you know, like if you're talking about who's running our country, this country, politics, who you're going to vote for, they're not thinking about tax breaks. Yeah. Well, that was a thing, you know, stuff that people are thinking about around where I live. Yeah. They're, you know, it's it's just so black and white for them. Was something that I had written down was a 16-year-old girl from Sweden has been given an equal platform to the president of the United States in the UN. And her quote is, we are not the ones who are responsible for this, but we are the ones who have to live with these consequences. And that's so incredibly unfair. Now, if you kind of break it down, it's unfair. It's quite a simple and childish utilization of word, words. But it's almost like that's what we need. We need to scrap away the economics, the financials. And actually, it's just like, hold on a second. This child's grassroots movement is working. And it's making us as adults wake up because they're demanding not to just be passive recipients of our mistakes. Yeah. And, you know, like those people in 
you know, that she's talking to, that Greta's talking to, they're going to die of old age. Yeah. But her and her friends and her children, they'll die of climate change. Well, so I was curious to know how you enable your kids to be passionate and take the risks. Through education. But in terms of, for example, like Teddy went to a protest instead of going to school that day. I fully support him. But a lot of parents would frown upon that. So what is the importance of why? That's ridiculous. But that's what I mean though, right? Like as children are becoming more aware of what's going on in the world around them and their futures, what is it that as we as adults could either be doing to support them, harness them, and how do you take that role on with your kids? I fully support like, and and I'm, I'm a pretty firm straight up type of person. If there's, you know, if, if Teddy's talking about something else that he wants and I don't agree, I'll also say that, Mm. but this is something that him and I are on the same page about. And I fully support that. And my ex and I fully support our children to express, to be expressive and have a voice. We'll support that. So Teddy, who's 10 and a half, um, just got his ear pierced. <laughs> so he's the most beautiful boy. He's a deep thinker. He's a deep feeler. Um, he has got his head in a book most most of the time, otherwise Lego. He really doesn't. He's never – I've never had any – no issues with Teddy. Not that I should ever compare my children. And um, he would never ask for anything. No, mum, no, no, don't, I don't want that. Let's not spend money. He's so considerate. And so he came to me a few months ago and he said, oh, mum, I want my ear pierced. And I was like, cool, like one? And he's like, yeah, one. And I was like, well, like what side? He's like, oh, I don't know, ask dad. Dad had his ear pierced. I said, cool, well, like I'm, I'm okay, but you know that your father and I, um, we consciously make united decisions whilst we're not together. It's really important um, great advice from be on the same therapist, page. but we're on the same page so that the children feel that sense of unity between us. So I spoke to him and he was like, Oh my God, I was 10 when I got my ear pierced. Yep. Left side. Cool. Let's do it. And I was like, unreal. I said, I want the best person piercing it. Mm. No gun. I want a needle. And so he found the right person and we did it as a family thing, the four of us. And it was really cool. And it was really interesting. Um, you know, Teddy, I could see it. He, he was so, um, he got a big rush from the fact that we were so supportive of him mm. and that, yeah, we encourage that. We really encourage him to explore his self, mm. you know, and it was fascinating, you know, and just talking to people and they're like, wow, I can't believe you let your son get his ear pierced. And I was like, well, how old were you? And she's like, oh, I was five. And I was like, cool, he's 10. Like, yeah, what's the judgment? Well, it's gender judgment. Yeah. It's total gender judgment. Oh, okay. In regards to like girls should be able to get their yeah. ears pierced, but then yeah. boys, it's 100%. like, what are boys doing? Yeah. Yeah. Do you like fu- what's, and one of my family members also didn't agree. Yeah. My son doesn't ask for anything. Yeah. It's a hole in his ear. Yeah. Ear. He has the best values. His heart is in the best place. And there was even like, you know, someone said, oh, you know, what's next, tattoos? And I was like, oh, my God, are you kidding? Escalation like, game. Like, chill the fuck out. I'm yeah. sorry. I've got two younger sisters. One is a Glamazon. Yeah. My other gorgeous younger sister is super lefty, um, has been vegan for four years and um, travels the world with, you know, a few bucks in her back pocket and both got their ear pierced at the same time. One's got tattoos throughout her body one doesn't like what's that got to do with the price of fish Mm. and you know what 
that's Teddy's body. I support him. Do you find that children these days have a much more of a stronger individuality? Like I will 100% say that this new, especially with languaging um, around genders, sexuality, I, I can barely keep up and I'm actively trying and I just think – Fuck, like if I was a parent, like now when they have um, gender reveal parties and it's like boy or girl or it's they or, you know what I mean? Like I'm a bit like, well, how do we change that up? Like how do we become more accepting and actually start to understand that people have been feeling this way their whole lives, but now it's our responsibility to allow the acceptance to occur? Yeah, it, it depends what area of Sydney you're in, to be honest. Well, how do you think about things like that in regards to, I mean, like you're quite... I'm pretty aware. I've got a very close friend of mine who who really enjoys talking about this topic and it's really important, you know, you're not asking someone how they like to be identified, he, she or that sort of connotation. But um, I'm interested in the topic Mm. and I would seek to understand more. That's how I would deal with it. Yeah. Um, I've, yeah, had, have... I know trans, I know, yeah. And, I, and the, I, look, I'm a confident person. I would probably just start the conversation and asking someone how they'd like to be identified Yeah. because I've had the experience and when you do that, oh, you can see the smile on their face because yeah. that's, um, that's out of respect and acceptance. That's kind of what it is though, right? Just the awareness like and it's okay to be like, I don't know. Yeah. But please educate it's me. It's always okay to not know Abs- in any aspect of your life. Absolutely. But ask the question. Well, that's how most of these conversations happen to most of the guests. I'll be like, holy shit, I have no idea about this topic area. And then I'll be like, let me interview this person. And then within that, I start to research and learn. And I just think, what bubble was I living in? Mm. You know, like how did I not realize, but I can only do my best to now get better have at you it. heard that great quote you only know what you only know yeah definitely like but we should all be i think we should all be seeking to learn a little bit more absolutely yeah uh so taking a sharp left to <laughs> important things also as serious as global leaders and climate change uh the sanctity of the hair salon chair and i thought you could give me quite a interesting perspective on this because two main things i want to discuss and the first one especially being I mean, superficiality, I think, sometimes gets pissed all over. But there's something so fierce about when a woman gets a new cut. Mm. And it's like, do you think we come in and we want to change our hair because it changes us or we've changed and there's something liberating around like, let me cut it all off. Like, I don't know what it is. This is really interesting. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but I've experienced it. And I just figure with the sheer volume of women you've seen, Mm. you would have a unique perspective on such Mm. a thing. I mean, I had my hair cut last week and I, like all week, I was just like, I'm excited to wash it. I'm excited to see what it does when I blow it out. Like, you know, I still still get that great, um, that feeling that you've just explained just by like a little trim and a cleanup, you know, but it's, it's really interesting. So I think that for most people is there. There's something beautiful about getting rid of, you know, the past and dead yeah. ends and, and having that fresh feeling. There's something beautiful in in that space. But this is an interesting topic because I have a gorgeous guest. Um, she's so beautiful, inside and out. And she came in the other day and I was just sensing we haven't we hadn't spoken about chopping a hair off. Mm. But I was sensing something and it's – I can't explain how or why, but if I'm doing a drastic change with someone, 
I have to get the sense of feeling that they're totally up for it because if you do that to a woman that isn't up for it, it can be extremely damaging. Yeah. So, you know, there'll be conversations maybe with a guest about who's always been long and chopping her hair off mid-neck and giving her like a killer shorter haircut and that might go on a year and then there's a moment they walk in and you're like, oh, today's the day. But it's something I really feel. But what do you think it is that makes women? Because like I guess it's it, it all stems, I feel, like it goes back to certain confidence, but there's something about hair and the way in which we attach our history to it in a certain sense. There's lots of weird attachments to hair. There's, um, you know, attachments of of women wanting their hair to be long if to please men. Yep. That's a very odd attachment. Yep. Um, There's attachment, you know, after you give birth, there's attachment. There's also, you know, and often women after they get married and they've had the long hair, they chop it off. So Mm. there's... You know, well, I I know that especially because I'm married to a woman, I will only do certain haircuts just because I'm like, oh, I don't want it to be like, oh, great, looks like a fucking lesbian. And I mean, yeah. whether or not we're stereotyping or not, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> but I will only have a certain haircut. Yeah. Whereas there have been times where I'm like, oh, I just want to chop it all off, and then I'm like, no way, I will not do it equally because of then the label that I'll be given. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, you're like, mom, chop your hair off next time. Nah, looks great. Uh, okay, let's segue into equally uh, the intimate space I think is created. I think mm. <laughs> I think going to your uh, hairdresser is sometimes a one-on-one cheaper therapy session. Yeah. Um, and I was curious to know with the personal things that I certainly I've found over the years that I share with people, but then also I'm sure you would have women sit down and they just unload. Yeah. And yep. so what either do you find that people are boasting about or then also what's troubling us? Mm. There's one thing I want to say before we talk about that is that being a hairdresser yeah. is one of the most beautiful things is we – there's only three professions that get as close to someone so quickly. Yeah. So if you can remember the first time I ever looked after you, yeah. probably within three minutes I was touching your head and I was like, you know, 20 centimetres away. Yeah. Physically. Physically. So intimate. So, you know, there's only three industries that do that, obviously, hairdressing – beauty and then sex Mm -hmm. sex trade so that instantly takes you to a very special place Mm. that closeness but that's it's it's it's, it can be it can be very vulnerable it can be so many things but i don't know if that has an impact on why people open up yeah because i just find like and then obviously getting your hair touched and I've, a scalp and there's something in that yeah. for sure. I've had moments where I'll be sitting down and I also think there's a certain uh, privacy to certain hairdressers. You're like, well, I may never see you again. But there's something about just sharing when someone is cutting your hair and you're like, well, here's what's going on in my life. Yeah. And that thing with, um, you know, having a haircut with someone that you maybe a hairdresser you're never going to see again. That's interesting as well because that's something I never think about because mm. the space that I have with my guests and who's in my chair, it's so meaningful for me. And I take it so, um, I take it seriously. Like um, toying with a woman's image, that's not something I take lightly. Mm. Do you? Someone's confidence. Do you find and how they feel? Do you find that um, there's something that women crave about that certain intimacy and being able to share? Um, yeah, 
had a guest on Saturday who was talking to me. She was really challenged by work and she was stressed and she was anxious and and I was talking about my therapist and, you know, the group of the tribe of people I have to make me happy. Like mm. we've all got a team behind us, acupuncture, this, that. And she was really – she got really teary really quick. And I was like, who are your people? I'm like, yeah. don't you have these conversations with your girlfriends? She's like, nope. Well, I'm like, that's interesting. So whether I can be something to someone and just show them a different way, I hope to be that for people who don't know. Do you find that there is a certain collective around what women are? Either they sit down and they're unloading like a, a certain kind of great news or equally what's kind of challenging women in general? I don't find any particular sort of I don't I don't see the links in like yeah. things that are trending. <laughs> um, Here's what's going I on do, in twenty nineteen. I do I do um tune out when there's a lot of complaining. Gotcha. I'm I'm not interested. Yep. Like I'll go back to hard compared to what? People talking about I'm so busy. Yeah. Like I fucking hate it. Well, that was actually something. It's I was, the worst. Well, that's what something. I, that's where I wanted to lead this because I wanted to know with how much people unload, what does it do for you in terms of like you kind of take all that on and you just think you must be like, how do you walk out the door and just shake all that off? You know, Nat, I'm so far into my career that I've been cutting hair up in Paddington for what twelve years, thirteen years now. Yeah. So your vibe attracts your tribe. Gotcha. The people that are in my seat, there's a connection. The haircut's good. I hope it's amazing. Yeah. But there is something, there is a reason why I'm doing their hair because there is a connection between us. So I really don't get that sense of someone dumping at all. Gotcha. I don't ever get that. Right. I feel yeah. like everyone might be and reassessing something, their hairstylists. At this <laughs> something that's really, really important to me and it's um, it's a big focus in, in my business at Paloma is um, I have conversations with my team and – the conversations with the guest is always led by the guest. So okay. we're very respectful, Paloma, of your time, of our guest time. And if you guys aren't vibing a conversation, there is no conversations. There's times where I'll be working on the floor cutting hair and I look around and we are packed and no one's talking. And I absolutely love it because life is so busy, mm. <laughs> quote unquote. Um, it's got to be your time as well. Yeah. And do you know how many people love it? Even like the music, just chill. Yeah. Cool little Frenchie beats on in the background, whatever it is. Like gone are the days of people wanting a hectic salon and a nightclub. And like what do you – like I, I actually say this to my team. If I hear you say, what are you doing tonight on a Friday to your cl- – I'm like, you know, that like that's a written warning. <laughs> like that is such an old school thing. Like number one, none of your business – none of your business to know what your guest is doing that night and no i i want my business to always be in a very different space to that and that's not who we are you know as you say that what i'm kind of giving myself this prompt like i can be a very forward person and it makes me stop and go hmm when in my life with my friendship should i actually just take a pause and have those moments where i'm like let them lead our conversation to a place as opposed to me <laughs> driving a driving something that and I like want poke, to find. poke 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 yeah like, how do you feel about this how do you yeah yeah like it actually is like such a, a lesson around that and that's but something that's I, not who you are now <laughs> but it's something I wanted to touch on as we finish up around like the importance of female camaraderie and friendships and how 
how I find, like, I mean, there's this huge topic at the moment and conversation around there's no safe space for men to talk, to communicate their feelings, their emotions, etc. Yet women harness certain friendship groups. And I feel like you have that. I feel yeah. like you certainly have had that. And you, from yeah. the sounds of it, really make sure your salon also has that. Yeah. Where it's like, what is this necessity that we live in? And we live in a world where we're like, we're craving these spaces where we can drop, be ourselves, calm down and just actually be like, hold on a second you know, mm. and take a beat. Yeah, I, I mean, I have that with my girls. Yeah. My, my besties are the best. But what what importance do you find in, like, creating that trust and loyalty? Or I guess... Like, importance, for someone, there's no option for me. No, but I mean, like, I've <laughs> had friends that. who have... They've gotten to this stage in their life where they're older and they're actually like, I don't feel like I have... I feel like I've outgrown friendships and they're, sitting, and they're sitting within a place of, of just course. kind of Your friends loneliness. Evolve. 100%. Yeah. So what would you say if that happened to you? You know, if you were to have this moment where all of a sudden you're like by I yourself, think... desolate again, and you're like, well, hold on. How can I find my people? Because um, I, ha- I literally what? had this conversation with a friend a week ago. She's like, I've outgrown my friends. And she's like, and I feel like I'm lonely and I just don't know actually where to go. And I feel like a lot of women sometimes feel that way as they've grown. Yeah, like I think a lot of people have a perception of change being a negative thing, but yeah. change is also a, such a wonderful thing and just being open-minded towards that and whether it's, you know, you lose three close friends out of your inner circle but you gain one mm. fucking heaps better friend. <laughs> you know, like it, they do evolve and even at the beginning of this year I was like, you know what, I'm going to like not call that friend yeah, and not text them because I think I've called her 18 times and she hasn't returned my call and guess what I haven't spoken to her all year yeah and now she doesn't even come to my business anymore and support me so like you know like cool she's not my she's not my chick that's but fine like we were saying earlier don't you find it funny how women kind of break up it's like a relationship we're women so break emotional. up <laughs> yeah like men kind of are just but so it's sisterhood like that girlhood thing it's just weird and that's what I like the pendulum swings like yeah. we love so hard yeah and they're like our chicks like my best friends where I'm like so territorial and I said to one of my really close friends the other day she's got she has a close friend and I was just like what do you get out of her yeah. and she like looked at me and she for the last two weeks she goes oh my god I cannot stop thinking about what you said about so and so because I've realized that I get nothing out of that friendship and I was like I love you so much and I'm so territorial of you because I want you to – I want you. Yeah. <laughs> like why are you hanging out with her? Yeah, like think the best you know, for others. Like, yeah, but because I want her time. I don't know. I would just like – I'm so loyal to yeah. my friends and my dearest friends are so loyal to me. Like oh, one of my best friends, Jelly, she's just she – would, she would give her blood mm. for me. You start to really. She's hysterical. You start she's to, so overprotective of me. You really start to find that quality over quantity as you get older. Oh, a hundred percent. And I don't know if maybe um, I've also personally, I had kids young. I had my first when I was twenty three, my second when I was twenty eight. So, you know, it's always in those milestones. Whether it's you know someone in your family passing away or you know, serious illness or giving birth, those huge milestones in your life is the moments where you really realize who your friends are. Yeah. And I did that young. So yeah, I'm all about, I'm all about quality over quantity for sure. And yeah. Yeah. I, I'd certainly find that when people have 
kids also because your time becomes so much more constrained yeah, you're a bit like oh actually is- i don't have time for this bullshit and oh. when people are getting wrapped in problems you're a bit like what what are you talking about i mean i'm saying yeah. this and i have no children but i always yeah. feel like if i had kids i wouldn't care about x oh the dramas yeah i'm just look i'm so what you see is what you get and i'm so blunt and if i really didn't adore and love someone i wouldn't hang out with them yeah all right, before I ask you my final question, where oh can God, everyone final find question. you? I could talk to <laughs> could talk for hours with you. What was the question, sorry? Before, <laughs> where can everyone find you? What are, give me all your Instagram handles so we can all go look at um Amalfi and Aperols oh, and the Oh, okay, my personal Instagram is Paloma Rose Garcia. Yes, I have a Spanish heritage. It's yeah. a boggy name. I actually <laughs> I read this. That's art. actually not even my full surname. Oh, what know. is your full surname? Well, Tell us the it's truth. Gar- Garcia Campo. Campo. Can you speak Spanish? Sí. Sí. <laughs> Un poquito. It's like if someone's like, can I speak bit. French? I'm like, oui. Um, you're standing in front of a room of 10,000 women and you're able to offer one piece of advice. What would you say? Um, comparisons are growth stopper. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I was comparing my business to another business about two years ago. And my mentor was like, what are you doing? You're wasting your time. This is the biggest growth stopper. Just, you know, like not like a horse with the blinkers on and only knowing that, but just honing on what you do and your values. The other thing that I, I love for women is talking about yourself the way you would your closest girlfriend. Yeah. So like, oh my God, you know, like I often will say to a guest like, and I won't say it unless I mean, I'll be like, oh, you look beautiful today. And they're like, are you kidding? I look ugly. Are you kidding? I look so fat. And I'm like, what are you doing? And I will, and I always pull them up. I'm like, would you talk about your best friend like that? No. I'm like, why do you talk about yourself like that? Yeah. That what I always say when someone so crazy how women talk about themselves, but it's true. And I'm telling you, so hard on themselves after dating women, and you have this relate, and even just having good friends. So now, what I always say, I was like, oh, would you slap me across the face? And they're like, what? No, absolutely not. I go, well, that's kind of what you do when I compliment you. I'm like, you kind of throw it back in my face. And I was like, so what would be better? And I was like, and what does it serve? And then now I also, especially if you say to someone, you look great and they start telling you about like how they feel fat or bloated, et cetera. And I think, you know, no man I have, I've ever complimented has ever turned around and been like, oh, you know, I'm feeling a bit pudgy today. I'm a bit puffy. I didn't sleep well last <laughs> I'm night. So bloated. Yeah, but women, we can just be fucking horrible to ourselves. Yeah. And it's like, it is exhausting. It's exhausting. It's, and it's not good. Yeah. Like, it's how much positive. more could we do in our time if we stopped complaining about who we were? Mm. And give a shit about what the hell's going on in this world. Yeah. Another thing just about climate change really quickly. Do it. I feel so compassionate to, I feel so passionate, sorry, to give back to the earth what I get from it. And I don't think many people think about it, but like I'm obsessed with the ocean. I swim all year round in the ocean. And there's so many, you know, so much of my life is out in nature like, think about how much you take from the world. Like, what are you doing to give back? Yeah. But Nothing. that's Don't you also think, I feel like, it's like this is not our final question, but don't you just <laughs> kind of stop and go, we're all so worried about how we're going to survive till the very next day. And it's like, if you kind of stop and go, I will survive, so therefore what else could I be thinking about? Of course. That would allow a bit more space of and a course. bit more caring and nurturing. And if we kind of just gave a hand to each other, we would perhaps lead in a nicer kind of world. Yeah. And also just like, you know, a little bit um, out of the bubble of 
being so fixated on earning so much money mm. for what? Yeah. But did you always think that or is it since you've gotten into a comfortable position? Because, I mean, you used to be an employee whereas now you have your own business, etc. So, I mean, did that change for you? Because I've always felt… Yeah, it did. Like, obviously, to pay off your own mortgage is ideal than to pay off someone else's. Yep. Um, but, you know, I live in an apartment with my children and I often even hear friends talking about, oh, their next property and what they want. I don't ever think about that. Okay. I mean, essentially, Charlie's room is like a sunroom. And when I separated the boys, he goes, mom, why am I sleeping in the playroom? Like, <laughs> That's not the playroom. That's your bedroom. <laughs> Get in there. It's not huge. But we don't need much. I'm yeah. I'm always the happiest with the most simple things in life. Like, you know, today I swam down at Bronte. It was heaven. Yeah. The best coffee. You know, like the simplest things in life always make me happy and I really, you know, go whilst going to Italy with the boys was the best trip I've ever had in my life. I could never do it again. I could easily not have the opportunity to do it again and still be as happy. Yeah. Like I don't get to being in Capri with a spritz in my hand and go, I'm so happy. It's it's the conversations I have with the boys on that trip and that could I could also have those conversations camping. Have you, you always know. had such a happy disposition? I think so. But it's I think it started with making a choice. Yeah, with a with an old um business mentor of mine, Anne Marie, who's had a huge impact on my life. Um and it's a choice I make. And uh, you know, to have the best year yet mm. at the beginning of every year and you know, to have to be glass half full. You know, I still get I still I mean this year with my son and the ADHD, I, there's been Lots of crying. <laughs> yeah. And lots of challenging. So I'm not always like happy, happy, happy. But yeah, I'm just, I'm so grateful for so many things I have. A good friend of mine says um, she's not a glass half full or a glass half empty. She sees it as refillable. Oh. It's nice. And reusable. <laughs> yeah. She's like, yeah. And sustainable. <laughs> and it's in a ceramic cup. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining Pleasure. me. Pleasure. It was so fun. Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Modern Women. If this content is delivering value to you, it would be so helpful and appreciated if you head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Stitcher and rate and review us as that helps us build this incredible community. And ultimately, that is what this is all about, building this community as big as we can to help as many women as possible and all of your ratings and reviews truly help with that. And before I go, a shout out to Chunky Love for the original music and to Mr. Darren Lake over at Podpace for helping me produce this show for all of you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.